good to be back with you again. It's been some time since I've been in your midst. Look forward to being with you this morning and sharing with you God's Word. I would ask you now if you will turn in your Bibles this morning and we'll turn to the Word of God as we find it recorded in the Old Testament. I would like to read from the book of Exodus and reading from the 13th chapter and beginning with verse 17. Exodus 13, beginning verse 17. Let us hear now the words of God. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. For God said, Lest the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had solemnly sworn the people of Israel, saying, God will visit you, then you must carry my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of cloud by night did not depart from before the people. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Let's bow together for prayer. Lord, we have read from your inspired word. We know, our Father, that this word is your word, that this is your truth. We ask now that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth that you have laid up for us. Grant our God that as we would come to understanding, we would be moved to obedience, that we might do all things to your glory. We ask it in the name and for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We live in an age that wants everything immediately. We want all of our troubles and all of our difficulties to be resolved yesterday, if possible, and for us to play as little role in all of that as we can and get away with it. We are bombarded on every side with the promise of that kind of instant success. It seems to be the very nature of the culture in which we live. We have instant coffee and instant potatoes and instant all kinds of everything at our beck and call. And whatever it is that we want or think we want, we think we ought to have it immediately. Therefore, it comes as no surprise that when obstacles and difficulties arise, which they always do, and we turn to the Lord and say, Lord, help us with this, we believe that the Lord ought to take us from point A to point B, in a direct straight line as quickly as possible and with a minimum of difficulty. And when he doesn't, we sometimes get a little impatient with the Lord, and sometimes we have words to say to him about all of this. There's an old saying that says the long way around is the shortest way home. And it is often true that that's precisely how things work out. Because it seems to us that very often, when these obstacles and difficulties come to us, that that is exactly what happens. The Lord doesn't take us in the most direct route. He takes us the long way around 
to finally attain our goals and our dreams. Now the Israelites, as you know, having read, I'm sure, this account, had been slaves in Egypt for some 430 years. God had said in the beginning he would rescue them, and 430 years later, he did exactly that. Not a very direct mode of action, I would say. For all of their years in Egypt, God finally sent to them Moses, and he would deliver them from the hand of Egypt, and he would answer their prayers and their dreams, that they would wind up in the land of milk and honey, and God would deliver them, and they would become the great nation that God had promised they would be. Now, as they prepare to leave Egypt, God does one more thing that kind of sets in focus all that we have said. He said, as you leave, we will not go through the land of the Philistines. We will not go by the direct route. Instead, God said, even after all of these years and deliverance at hand, you are not going to go from Egypt to the promised land. You're going to go the long way around. You're going to go the long way around, he said, because when war starts and when difficulties come up, all you want to do is go back to the land of Egypt. And that precisely is what God did. I think we have a right, as we read through these accounts, to ask of God, why is it that God would do that? Why does God insist so many times that we go the long way around for our dreams? I think as we read through not only the verses that we read this morning, but if you read through the entire account, you'll discover that there are two or three or more reasons that God takes us the long way around. And maybe as we understand those reasons, we'll become less impatient in our own lives and with our own desires. God says in the text that he's not going to take the people of Israel directly into the promised land simply because they are not ready. He's doing this for their benefit. They don't believe it at the time, but God is doing them a favor. They've been 430 years in Egypt. They've lived as slaves. They've not lived as a people of God nor as a free people. They've been slaves to the Egyptian. And for God to simply take them out of Egypt and plunk them in the middle of the promised land and say, there you are, folks, go to it, would be a disaster. They're not ready for that. Generations have passed. They have no idea how to live as free people. They have no idea what's going to happen in the promised land. Even though it has been their dream for years and years and years, they have not the foggiest notion what's going to transpire when God finally answers that prayer. God says you can't go that way because when war and sacrifice come up, all you're really going to want to do is go back to Egypt. They didn't really understand what was involved to attain their dream. They had not thought about the fact that they were going to have to face walled cities. They were going to have to face fierce warriors. They were going to have to face one people after another. They were going to have to do battle. That to attain their dream was going to require more sacrifice than they had made in Egypt. And because they didn't realize that, if suddenly they are plunked in the middle of all of this, 
they are simply going to become discouraged and they're going to want to go back to Egypt. And we saw that that's exactly what many of them wanted to do. We don't have anything to eat. We don't have any meat. We don't have any water. We might better be back in Egypt where we can eat fish and garlic. Strange, isn't it? When our dreams don't happen immediately, when the obstacles arise, how quickly it is we are ready to abandon them and go back to something else. God said, no, you can't go directly because you're not ready. You're not prepared. You've got to learn some things. You've got to have more discipline. You've got to learn to follow the God that you have worshipped in a new and a different way. No longer now in the flesh pots of Egypt, but now in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, and you'll follow God through the pillar of cloud and through the pillar of fire. You will go where God directs, how He directs, and when He directs, and you will need to learn once more how to trust and to follow God. You need to acquire, God says, in a sense, a new sense of destiny. Where you're going and why you are going there. Who you are and what you are. And until you have learned that, you are not ready to go into the promised land. You're not ready to have your dreams fulfilled until truly you are prepared to do so. For if you do, it will simply end in disaster. We all have dreams, individually, collectively. We have them as a church. We have them as a nation. And we pray that God would answer those things. We wish that our goals would come to pass quickly. But more often than not, God says, no, not now. God says very often, you will go the long way around, and it's for your benefit because you are not ready yet to have the dreams that have been yours. And we all have those dreams. Our kids in school and in college, they're thinking about their careers, they're thinking about their grades, they're thinking about being accepted, they're thinking about all of the things, and one wonders what would happen if God granted it all at once. Would they be able to handle it? History tells us no, they wouldn't. It just suddenly is all dumped in their laps. They are not able to deal with it. And our own dreams, our goals to make it to the top of the heap and the jobs and the careers that we have chosen, we would like someday to see those dreams fulfilled. But are we ready to have it happen instantly? Should it happen to us tomorrow? Perhaps we aren't ready. Perhaps it's not time yet for that dream to be fulfilled. Perhaps what we need yet is more training, more discipline in the things of the Lord, more preparation in our lives to handle the things that we have not had before. A time in which to accomplish and to adopt a sense of destiny of where we are and where we are going. In one of my congregations, I had a man who worked for the strip mining companies in the Midwest where I served. It was his dream to one day move from the field to become part of management in the company for which he worked. He was a foreman of a field crew. And one day, 
as a result of several different sets of circumstances, he was given that opportunity. He was moved from being a foreman in the field to upper management level in the company, all in one day. A dream that had been his for a lifetime. But in three months, he had a breakdown. He was not able to handle it. It was a different kind of life, a different kind of pressure, a different kind of existence, and something that he was not yet prepared for. Fortunately, he worked for a company that understood that, and after a great deal of counseling, he went back to being a foreman of his crew in the field. One day later, when he was better trained and better prepared, he moved into that position and was then ready to handle it. Are we ready? We think we are. He thought he was. The Hebrews thought they were. But God, who is all-knowing and all-wise and all-loving, knows better. And sometimes says to us, the hurt that we will feel in our failure, for instance, success, is greater than the hurt we might feel in the delay. And sometimes, sometimes when we are going to move into that new category, that new lifestyle, that new dream, that new job, sometimes... We need to learn to follow God in a new way because we're moving to a new lifestyle. And maybe it's not the same as getting up and going to work every day and coming to church on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Maybe it involves more. Maybe it involves following that cloud, that flame. Maybe it involves a new way of trusting God to step out into the unknown, perhaps in a way we're not quite yet ready to do. So God so often says to us in our lives, not yet. Sometime, but not now. First, we go the long way around. Because I love you, and it's for your benefit. I think another reason that grows out of these accounts is not only do we go the long way around for our own benefit, we have to remember that we go the long way around for the benefit of others. Israel, often in their history, forgot who they were and why God had called them. You remember when we go back to Genesis 12 and we look at the call of Abraham and the people of Israel coming in to be the chosen people of God? And they were chosen not because they were better than anybody else. They were chosen by God's holy and sovereign will. And they were chosen to be his witness in the world. They would be a blessing, God said, to those around them. Israel was to take the long way around for the benefit of other people. They were not simply to go from point A to point B. God had called them for a purpose, and the purpose was that they would witness to him. They would witness to the one true and the one sovereign God. And that's what they were called to do. That's what their life was about. And when they became introverted and turned in only on themselves, thought only about themselves, thought only about their nation, thought only about what they wanted, they were a people that failed. 
God would lead them the long way around. They would witness to the Philistines, and they would witness to the Syrians and the Assyrians. They would witness to the Babylonians. They would witness to all of the people. That those people would know that the people of Israel worshipped only one true and sovereign God. And that only one true and sovereign God existed in the world. It would speak to the hearts of pagans who sacrificed their firstborn to the gods. It would would speak to the people who engaged in temple prostitution in an attempt to bring fertility to a reality. It would witness to people who were willing to sacrifice all things to appease angry and capricious gods. And it would deliver them from the slavery of such worship. And it was the task of the Israelites to do that. Whenever and wherever the Lord would lead them. They were not their own people. They were the people of God. And they must go where God would send them. Indeed, God would shower his blessings upon them. But he would demand that they fulfill their responsibility as his chosen people. That's what we are, my friends. We are called and chosen by God, not because we are worthy. You have not chosen me, I have chosen you, said the Lord. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, says the Apostle Paul. And God has called us to be his disciples. We live to witness to the benefit of others. That's why we are called. That's what our discipleship is about. Cornerstone Chapel exists not for our amusement and pleasure on Sunday morning. It exists to witness to the people of Bristol, to the world as we send forth missionaries. We exist and come here to be edified, to be grown, to be strengthened, that we may go out into the world and witness to the risen Jesus Christ who is Savior and Lord. And when we forget that that's what our true purpose and our true meaning is about. Our churches become introverted. They feed upon themselves. And they are no longer than the chosen people of God to go out into the world and witness to the Christ who has saved them. And so we go the long way around. We don't always find our churches going in the direction that they would like to go. Programs don't always work exactly the way they should. There are obstacles, there are problems, there are difficulties, and they are there for a reason. That God may use us to benefit those about us. We are here to witness. We are here to be God's people. And when we fail to do that, we fail in what our very essence is about as Christians. And it didn't stop in the Old Testament with the events of Exodus and the coming of the Israeli nation. It continues in the New Testament. God could have saved us with a snap of his fingers. He chose to send his son. His son could have done so in a day or a week, but he took three years. He walked the hill country, the small towns, the villages, He ate with the sinners he visited in homes, and he did so for the benefit of those whom would be saved. He came not to live for himself, but for others. That's who he was and what he was as Savior and 
divine son of the living God. And so he took the years. He took the time and the plan that had been there from the beginning of before creation. Did so to benefit those whom he came to save. It was a lesson that the apostles had to learn. Time and time again they would go here or they would go there and the Spirit would not permit. They would pray for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ again. And the coming would be delayed. And still is delayed. The Lord will indeed come. And one day he will come and he will establish his kingdom. In the interim we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria. And unto the uttermost ends of the earth. Because that is why we are here. To benefit others. And when we lose sight of that. When we begin to think only of ourselves. And think only of our pleasures. Think only of our joy. Think only of the success and peace of our local churches. We have forgotten what our Christian commitment is truly about. And there's one final thing I think that God uses when he takes us the long way around. He does that, I think, for the benefit of those who are going to follow us. Over and over again in the New Testament as we follow the lives of the Israelite people, God tells them, teach your children. Pass it on to the generations. In years to come, tell your children what these stones mean that we have gathered as we have crossed the Jordan. Tell your people what the Exodus is about. Tell your children and your children's children that they too may be the people of God. That they may walk in your footsteps. That they may enjoy the blessings that you have learned and the things that you have found. That they'll know that which is tried and true and which is of God and which is of not. They will know God's will and God's way and God's place in their lives and in the world. For the Israelites, that was a sacred trust that they would continue to pass on to their children. And in order for that to happen, often God led a long way around. And so it is for us. Life goes on for us, sometimes short, sometimes long, but rarely from point A to point B without interruption. And one of the reasons for that is for those who follow us, our children, our grandchildren, and their children, and forever that shall be for as long as we must wait until the Lord returns. That our children would know the tried and the true methods of our following God. That they would know of the God and the Savior that He has brought. That they would learn God's will and God's way that they might not suffer and make the same mistakes that we have made. And that perhaps, just maybe, their lives will be better.